0: here that we find in the Word of God. I'm finding this to be very profitable for myself as I look through this, and I believe it is very profitable for us as a church uh, to learn some of these uh, good principles, both physically, both in this world, in that sense, and also spiritually, but much spiritually, right? That there, there are many spiritual lessons to not being a spiritual sluggard that are important for us. Uh, to remember because you know there are men that can work so hard on their physical that their physical job and everything else but they will neglect their souls your soul is a field okay it is a field it is it is it is ground that the Bible talks about and we'll we'll get to some of that now I don't know how how much time we'll have or I mean how long we'll we'll go how how much we'll get done today but but we'll uh, we'll do our best to get through much of this and if we have to pick it up next week that's okay too I really don't mind taking my time with things uh, and teaching through them for profitability. The Bible is so, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? You can have a thousand sermons on a verse. God says something very plainly in one verse, but a thousand sermons can be preached to expound on the amazing, the the amazing. uh, uh, text of Scripture that is there for us to read and to, and, to, and to learn. Like, we spend a lifetime learning this book, and we won't know it all. We'll spend all of eternity learning it, amen, and understanding and learning from Jesus uh, everything that God has for us. It's pretty exciting to think about that, isn't it? Uh, but uh, in, in Proverbs chapter 24, uh, verse number 30, he says here, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well, I think it's interesting what he says here, when when he's explaining this to us, that he was very perceptive, Solomon used the things that he saw out in the world and in God's creation to learn from them, to be wise, right, to learn wisdom, and to grow in wisdom. He saw the mistakes of others, and he didn't duplicate those mistakes, he didn't go into them and and, and say, you know what, I'm going to do the same thing they did. No, he didn't think he was better than them, but he said, you know what? I'm going to learn from this. I'll tell you what, you're a real fool if you see a lot of mistakes and a lot of things and you continue those same things that God has used the lives of others to show you that you're wrong and you keep, you do the same thing over again that they did. You don't have to. God showed you for a reason. He didn't show you a reason for you to think you're better than your neighbor, he showed you so you don't do it, right? That's why. It isn't because you're better. We're not better. We're better off, but we're not better, right? And, and we should look at it and say, you know what? I'm going to be careful. I'm going to be cautious about what I do. I'm not going to make the same mistakes. I'm going to look at this and, and I'm going I'm to reflect on it. Sometimes slowing down and reflecting on things is a powerful thing in your life. It will bring some sorrow, yes, it will bring some repentance, but it also brings some joy in preparing for the future and saying, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be, I'm going to be cautious. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns, and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall there was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. He took some time to consider what he had saw. You know, sometimes you see tragedy and things happen uh, or things happen in your life and you're moving so fast that you don't like stop and pause Like, huh, why did that happen? Could that have been avoided? Could I have avoided that, this tragedy or could I have avoided this mishap? Could I have avoided this, 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 this thing that happened? you know we really need to do that more not just think well this world's tough so things happen that's true and they do and sometimes things are unavoidable right and we can't but let it not be because we were careless in our thought life careless to reflect on things you know too haphazard and running and hasty into decisions that are made and we run into our own demise and then we just blame kind of providence on it or whatever and and all those things, when really the truth is, is that we probably could have avoided it if we were wise and if we reflected on some things. Sometimes God slows us way down and doesn't let us fulfill the plans that we have in order for us to reflect on what's going on. And you're thinking, well, I need to be out of this trial. And God says, no, I want you to think. I want you to reflect. I want you to look at this situation and be wise about what you do. I looked upon it and received, look what he said here, and we're going to get to this, but, and received instruction. Wait, I looked at this situation of this field. I watched what this man's character was. I watched what he did or how he operated. And I, I reflected and I received instruction. He said, it taught me something. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that travaileth, traveleth, excuse me, and thy want as an armed man. We're going to talk about what that means, actually. It's very, it's very interesting when you break that down, what, what, what's being taught there. What, what Solomon, a very wise man, is trying to teach us. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We just pray that you'd bless us now. And help us, Lord, and guide our steps and direct us. Feed us with your word, we pray, and help us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, this man, he, he goes by, Solomon goes by and he sees this. This scene shows us that if we will not have flowers and fruits, we shall certainly have thorns and nettles. If you, don't, if you don't grow, you know, in your spiritual life, especially if you don't grow uh, good fruit and flowers and you don't cultivate that into good things, then guess what's coming? Thorns and thistles are coming your way. Your life is going to be full of thorns. Now, we understand that thorns is a picture of the curse, right? And the fall of man and everything else. But some of those thorns you're supposed to do away with. You're supposed to slash those out of your life. You're not supposed to have those and and we'll get to that we'll uh this scene also shows that the sluggard and the fool cannot hide the results of their neglect if you and i neglect our spiritual life you can't hide it you can't fake it till you make it you can't hide it that's the one thing that you won't be able to hide if you are not walking with god effectively in your life the fruit of that will pop out, it will grow out, and what will it be? Desolation of thorns and thistles. It won't be beautiful fruit or beautiful flowers or productive fruit, it'll be thorns and thistles. And then you'll try to say, well, I don't understand why my children are doing this or my children are doing that, or this is happening or that's happening. Say, no, I do understand why it's happening because it doesn't happen in a vacuum alone right it doesn't happen just like that it happened there's a series of things that leads up to that there's there's inconsistencies there why because i know this book works so if you tell me that well i'm doing everything this book says and nothing is right and this is the outcome you're a liar you're just a plain liar because that's not the case god tells us in his word and i believe god's word over what i believe your excuses are or what you tell me i know the frailty of man and how we fail okay so i will never blame god for me i am scared to death to do that to blame god to lay it at god's charge and say well i've done what the lord has told me to do and this is the outcome of it that is a lie And it's an excuse, and it's dangerous to go down that road. This scene shows how possible it is to be right in some ways and to be grievously wrong in others. We're we're a life like that. We could be right at some point, and we could be dead wrong in others, right, in our lives. That's the life of balance that God wants to teach us because our life is a field. Part of that field might be good. Part of it might not be. It has to be worked on. You know, there's certain parts of your land that you have to work more aggressively on, right? There's certain things that to cultivate your soul in spiritual things in your life, some of it because of the way you were raised. The natural thorns and thistles that rose up in your life that were planted there or that were, that were left desolate, and you have things in your life that are problems. Everyone in this room, you have things in your youth that have impacted your life now and they have an effect on it. And you can do one or two things with that and listen to me and listen to me good. You can be a whiny little baby and you can cry about how you were raised and you can suck your spiritual thumb or you can get up and start slashing those thorns and do something about it and not make excuses for how you weren't raised right. Cry me a river. Who was? It's no excuse to live your life in disobedience and rebellion to God. Making excuses, blaming your parents for everything and not saying, you know what, I'm an adult now, I have the Holy Ghost of God, I have responsibilities and I have to fulfill them. Amen. I'm not going to be a victim to my mommy and how my mommy or daddy raised me. Are you serious? I'm going to sit and like my whole life Hinge on what, how somebody else raised me. I'll tell you what I'm going to do by the grace of God. I'm going to take this book and I'm going to correct it. And I'm going to say, you know what? I was wrong. And I'm going to get right. And I was taught wrong. And I'm going to get right. Amen. Amen. That's what you do with it. You don't suck your thumb and sit in a corner and watch the whole world go to hell around you. And ruin your children's lives and ruin your families and everything else because, well, I wasn't raised right. Nobody was. Get over it you do it so you're, you're gonna leave an excuse for your children and say well my dad wasn't raised right because all of them are going to use the same excuse you're using right now if you want to use that excuse i mean it i i either meet vic i either meet victims or victors which one are you i'm dead serious when i say it i'm dead serious i either meet victims or victors which one do you want to be If I have Christ, I'm victorious. I'm not a victim to my circumstances. I'm not a victim to my former life. I gotta slash some thorns and I gotta get rid of them. I gotta grow up and face some things that I'm wrong about and that I gotta get right about. That's life, friend. That's not bad, that's good. What's bad is for you to make excuses for your life and blame your mommy for not giving you enough hugs. And yeah, it's true, that probably didn't happen. I get it. Well, now do something about it and give your children what they need. You don't sit there and and look back and whine about it. You get up and do something about it. That's what you're supposed, that's what Christians do. That's what people that are victorious do. And that's in Christ. You don't sit back. Paul said, I, I I press toward the mark for the prize of the hike. I'm not looking back and comparing myself among myself. I'm not looking back at the world and being like, well, I'm a little better than them. And this, No, I, I'm pressing towards the mark. That's Christ. Right. And you better be pressing, friend. And you ain't pressing when you're looking back behind you like that. See, this is why it takes like four hours to do this. i got to keep going. <laughs> I don't like excuses because they're dangerous. They're dangerous when we make them. We, we we somehow exclude ourselves from God's authority and God's book and say, well, you know, this happened. Okay, that might have happened, but get up and do something about it. You you can't sit there and you can't sit there and 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 repeat the same errors. I'm not gonna look, I came from churches that that that, that don't take a stand on the King James Bible like I do, like we do here. You think I'm gonna go back and be like, Well, I'm gonna be like them. No, I ain't gonna be like them. I'm gonna be like what God showed me. This is his holy word. It's inspired, it's perfect. Period. End of story. Okay? What about all these other I don't care about all those other people. I care what this book says. I care what God says. And you won't make me a victim. I'm not you you won't make you live your life like a victim. That's a terrible place. You know what? it make you bitter, too. You'd be angry at everybody, be mad at everybody, all these thorns and thistles coming up in your lives, poking your eyes and stabbing you in the sides all the time, because you're a victim. And then you're angry with everybody all the time, bitter and angry. Why? You know, you're a victim. I don't have to be bitter and angry all the time. I'm not a victim. I'm blessed beyond measure. Why would I sit around and be a victim? Why would I sit around like that? I, I, why would I? Why wouldn't I be happy with what the Lord's given me? Why wouldn't I look around at my life and say, Praise the Lord? Look what God's given me. Look around you, friend. Look around you. Amen. You live better in Christ than anyone else in this world does. Yet you'll sit and try to lick your wounds? We don't have time for that. There's too much work to do. This world's too dark. You gotta have the answer for them. Do you have it or not? I have it. I know I have it. That's why I go take it to people, because I believe I have it. I believe there isn't anything God can't cure out there in the, in the hearts of his people. I don't believe there isn't anything you can't work on that God will give you grace for and strengthen you for. But I can't make you believe it. You got to get along with God and get that settled. Amen. Our souls are our fields and vineyards, which we were, were every one of us to take care of, to dress and to keep. They are capable of being improved with good husbandry that may be got out of them, which will be f- well fruit abounding to our account. We are charged with them to occupy them till our Lord comes. And a great deal of care and pains, it is requisite that we should take about them. Like you should take care for your soul. You should watch for your soul. You should look out for it. You should, you should cultivate your spiritual walk. If you find yourself caring more about your physique than you do about your soul, you've got a problem. I'm not saying you don't care about your physique at all, but what I'm saying is, is, you better care about your soul. You better care about your spiritual walk. Is my heart right with God? Am I walking in the fear of the Lord? Am I wa- That that's important, friend. You better care about that because that'll that'll go out into the rest of your life. We got to. These fields and vineyards are often in a very bad state. Not only no fruit brought forth, but all overgrown with thorns and nettles. Scratching and stinging, inordinate lusts and passions, pride, covetousness, sensuality, malice. Those are the thorns and nettles, the wild grapes which the unsanctified heart will produce. That's the lost man. But listen, you are tempted to those same things. And you have to put those thorns, you have, you have the power to slash those swords, those thorns with the sword of the Spirit. You have that power. Man, I gotta take this off. I'm getting hot. I'm getting worked up, man. I told you I was gonna wake you up. Amen. Garrett? I want you to know. I want you to know. I want you to know that, alright? I'm not ashamed of my orange, alright? Alright? Not ashamed of it, alright? That's right. That's right. All right. I'll keep going now. Right. Amen. It's good stuff right there. You know, if we're not careful, the the Bible speaks of that stone wall was taken down, right? There it was broken down. Well, you're letting the devil just come right in. God's given you every defense to fight the devil. He's given you everything. And his, his kingdom and temptation and everything. He's given you the defenses to fight those things. But if you just let it all deteriorate, you don't do anything with it, then you're going to get... You're going to get pummeled. You have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is a work, friend, and you have to work it. You're not working for it. You're working because of it. Or you're working out what God's worked in. He's already saved you and sanctified you and set you apart. Now work on it. You've got to. God didn't leave. God does not enable lazy Christians. Like he didn't save you to be lazy, to be a sluggard. And just let your spiritual life go by. And like, well, I'm going to heaven. That ain't the the thought of a saint. The thought of a saint is to sharpen themselves until they go home. Is to grow in grace. And to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. To put on the whole armor of God. Okay. The issue of it will certainly be the ruin of the soul and its welfare. It is everlasting want that thus comes upon it as an armed man, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I noticed another thing about this as we as we begin here. It was all grown over. I went by the field. Look at verse 30. I went by the field of the slothful, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. Void of understanding. He says that this man he he didn't have any understanding. This is that self-indulgence. The sluggard enjoys his sleep. Selfishness is the root of idleness. By the way, the reason why we're idle is because we're selfish. We think this world revolves around us and we can go ahead and just be selfish. And we'll be be idle. That's the root of idleness, It's just thinking of myself, right? But this in turn is stupefying. One does not note how the fresh morning glides away while he lies with his eyes closed in sinful sleep so also the slumber of the soul that neglects the call to its highest duty is a selfish sleep. Idle Christians, idle in in their spiritual walk, not only to cultivate the things in their own soul, but also to help others, selfish. They're selfish. It's the highest duty for you to cultivate the things that God has worked in your own heart and life, and then to, to help others with it. In our text, the slothful is paralleled by the man void of understanding. And the parallel suggests that stupidity in such a world as this of letting ourselves develop according to whims or inclinations or passions and also teaches that understanding is meant to be rigidly and continuously brought to bear on actions as director and restrainer. What do I mean by that? I don't just, I feel good today, so I think I'll, I'll be faithful to God. That's a whim and a passion. How about this? I don't feel good some days, but I'm gonna be faithful to God. Amen. I don't feel who somebody you hear people say, Well, I don't feel like going to work. Well, who does? (laughs) like, like Like who does? I don't feel good. Oh, well, who does? Right? I mean you can you can do that all day long and it can be like most things are done by people that don't want to do them and that don't feel good. But they do them because out of duty and what's right. Amen. And you better learn that duty and, and self sacrifice now, as, as as young people, but also as Christians. That uh, well, I, I should have this 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 warm whim and feeling and everything else in order for me to be faithful in my Bible reading. And I I just don't feel like it. I should have this this passion. No, you should be obedient. Never mind the feelings that come with or the lack thereof. You should be faithful. You should be obedient to God, no matter what. What if my feelings and my heart isn't in it? Tough. Do it anyway. What is that? You're a soldier. You. It's like, well, I'll do it if I feel like it. Really? When's that going to be? well when's that going to be when you feel like it it's like saying well i'm going to pay this bill when i feel like it and they come by and cut your electric off <laughs> i didn't feel like it well i didn't feel like keeping your electric on right do it right from the office just click a button it's gone right you don't pay your bill right i didn't feel like it i don't think they'd take that as an excuse probably well I wasn't feeling it I wasn't, you know I just wasn't feeling it well now you're feeling cold <laughs> now you're feeling something now you're feeling darkness <laughs> Cause there ain't no lights on right so that, that doesn't that's, think about that in a spiritual sense it doesn't matter the way you feel it matters obedience to God that's what, because I'm telling you, there's going to be sometimes your feelings are all over the board or none at all. I've, I, I, I told Dave one time years ago, man, I didn't know numb was a feeling, but it is. I was completely numb, like I was emotionally and just numb. What did I do? The same thing I'm doing right now, and ask God for power to keep going. Why? Because it didn't matter if what God told me. It, you, you just be faithful. I mean, you know, like you're a soldier. You're to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You're faithful. Amen. As a husband, uh, it doesn't matter what, what I, I'm faithful to my wife. As a father, it doesn't matter what, I'm faithful to do my duties. I, as, as a wife, you, you're faithful to your husband because you're faithful to the Lord. Not, not because your husband's perfect. You figured that out after a couple days that he wasn't. Hopefully I didn't ruin anything for you, Paisley. But uh, If you haven't figured out yet that he's not perfect, that might, sometimes it takes a while, but a few minutes. <laughs> Oops. Right. We note that our, our text talks about the slothful, the man of a void of understanding. Understanding is meant to be rigidly and continuously brought to bear on actions as director and restrainer. If the ship is not to be wrecked on the rocks, or to be, or to founder at sea, wisdom's hand must hold the helm. Diligence alone is not enough unless directed by understanding. We got to be wise. We have to understand the things and know what God says to us. The description of the slothful man, Solomon was right when he called him a man void of understanding. Not only does he not understand anything, but he has no understanding to understand with. He is empty-headed. He is a slugger. He does. He's a slugger. He doesn't. He doesn't want to do anything. Right. As a rule, we may measure a man's understanding by his useful activities. Certain persons call themselves cultured, and yet they cultivate nothing. Right? It's like professional students in school. All they do is just keep going to school. Like they, never, they just go to college, and they just keep going. It's like, what do you do? They, they go to college. They just keep getting degrees. Like, well, I mean, you've been doing that for like 15 years. You're going to keep, just keep going to college. Right? They don't, they don't do anything. Right? Like Bible scholars, they don't do anything. They don't, besides wreck things. But they lie, but they don't do anything. They, they're not productive. All they do is tear the Bible down. <laughs> they're not productive. They don't do anything productive, anything good. Right? They're cultivated, though, right? But they cultivate nothing. If knowledge, culture, education do not lead to practical service of God, we cannot have learned what Solomon calls wisdom. You can have all the book knowledge. If it doesn't cultivate in you serving God, something's wrong. Everything that you ought to learn from the scripture is, is to make you the servant God wants you to be. Is to bring you closer to God. Not, not for you to do nothing. If your theology is, is do nothing, then you, got, you, don't have, you don't have biblical faith. Because everything that we learn in this book teaches us to do. Amen? So we don't deceive our own selves, Right? We're not just hearers of the word, but we're doers. That's that's just plain faith. True wisdom is practical. Wisdom plows its field, hoes its vineyard, looks to its crops, tries to make the best of everything, and he who does not do so, whatever may be his knowledge of this or that or the other, is a man void of understanding. What do I mean by that? Well, I know a lot of pastors that are very they're professional men. They're very professional. They run good corporations. They're good at it, man. They're good politicians too. They're supposed to be pastors, but they're actually politicians, right? So they're pastors, they're politicians, they're they're uh, CEOs of corporations, right? Well, what are they doing? Not what they're supposed to. They're not warning the people. They're not they're not calling them to repentance. They're not coming out from among them and being separate. They're not teaching the things that they want. That the Lord wants them to teach, right? but they have all that knowledge right they have i I, this may sound bad it probably will but that never changed anything um i'll say it most of the people that i found most of these college educated pastors i really can't listen to very much like they're just really like they're lame Get, give me, give me the men on the street that preach with me, and I can listen to them all day long. But put me in front of those college-educated pastors, and, and and I listen to them, and I'm like, really? Bible correctors, and don't don't believe in the inspiration of the text. Don't believe it's just all of it. It's just I'm like, okay, really? You paid for that? Yeah, I got mine free. Yeah, they- don't, I don't get what you paid for. (laughs) I think you got ripped off. Right? Makes sense. Anyway, we'll move on. But the slothful, his things are not maintained. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, the sluggard's field grows over. He trifles th- with things which demand his most earnest attention. Here he has a field, this sluggard does, this slothful man has a field, yet he is not caring for it. God has given you a field of your soul, and he, he has given you that, and you're to take care of it. You're to take great care of it. You're to cultivate your spiritual life. You're to, you're to, you're to grow with the water of the word. You're to, you're to, the seed that God has planted it's supposed to be taken care of you're not to leave things slothfully God gave Adam the garden to dress it and to care for it what he has given you is the same spiritual, spiritually, physically mentally God gave you things to work you have children that God has given you they are gifts do you understand that? I want you to think about that for a moment. Do you understand that when God has given you children, He has given you a gift? He said that they're gifts. They're not little expenses on your tax form. Right? They're not little write-offs on your tax form. They are gifts from God. People say children are expensive. I say children are an investment. Amen. Into the future. Right? A heavenly one that God has given us. They don't cost us nothing. They give us, right? They don't cost us. I never want my children to think, oh, you cost me. No, you didn't cost me anything. You give me everything that God wanted me to have and more. They are a gift from God. They don't cost me anything, right? That's how the world sees them. Why? Because that's how Satan sees them. That's right. But to us, they're they're God's gift. And they're to be cultivated. They're to be grown. They're to be maintained. They're to be taught and loved and cared for and nurtured. That's what God says. That's one of the fields that God has given you. Right? Your children, that's a field. You ladies, that, 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 uh, that you're home with them and, and, and you take care of them, that's a fe- they're a field that God has given you. And how are you doing? How are you working that? Are you being distracted from your work? Are you being distracted from the field of labor that God has given you? Tempted with the lights of Sodom? the city's lights, to go, to go into... You hear it today so much, right? Tempted to go away from the field that God has given you to overlook that. And children, to most people today, are in their way. That's in, in their parents' way. I, I'm telling you, that's, that's why they have to pay copious amounts of money to public education to get other people to, to, to educate their children. And they do that because their children are in the way of their life. That's the way they look at it, that they're they're in their way instead of part of their way. Right? They don't look at them the same way. Sad, isn't it? We are to work. We are to care for what we have, not what we don't have. You focus on what you have, not what you don't have. You know what one of the major problems with discontentment is? Not cultivating the things that you have and looking for things that you don't have. Why would I focus my time on things that I don't have? And not focus my time on the things that God has given me already? Remember the slothful is 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 brother to the waster. So what does that mean? That means that you have a field. You have a home, you have children, you have a husband, you have a family. You have you, you know you you have a wife, you have whatever it is God has given you, whatever place you're in. That's a field that God has given you. And you're not to waste that field by not making it fruitful and looking somewhere else for something else. You're to focus on what you have, not on what you don't have. Why don't you make what you have productive? Instead of asking God to give you something else, why don't you make what you have a blessing? Why don't you love the one you're with? That's the key to it all. is is loving what God is giving you, giving you and not looking for something else. But loving and caring for what you have. We're to work and we're to care for what we have, not what we don't. How about the field of your heart? Do you maintain it? What do you do with the field of your heart? Do you maintain it? Do you spiritually, do you work on, the heart is the seat of all affections and emotions. It's the seat of you, right, in that sense. So what do you do with your heart? Do you let your heart lead you or do you lead your heart? It's a good question, isn't it? Do you pull up the weeds of sin out of your heart? If you don't pull up weeds of sin, if you let sin uh, reign in your heart, if you let sin be comfortable in your heart, then guess what? Those weeds overtake the garden and it's fruitfulness. It doesn't take very long for weeds to grow. They grow naturally. Sin grows naturally in the heart. Naturally. You don't have to do anything to destroy your heart. I'm going to say it again to you. You don't have to do anything to destroy your heart. If you do nothing at all, it'll be destroyed. Do you get that? That this is a life of activity? Our spiritual life is a life of activity. It's a life of, of servitude. It's a life of the violent taking it by force. It is not, it is not a life of passiveness in that sense. We are passive against evil. Uh, you know, uh, hurting people or anything like that, but we are not passive concerning our spiritual life. We are very aggressive and assertive with our spiritual walk, with pulling up the weeds of sin in our heart. Are you more apt to pull the neighbor's uh, seed, uh, weeds out of his heart than you are your own? Are you more Are you too busy looking at what everybody else is doing and not what you're doing? Amen. What's easy to do, isn't it? It is so easy for me to find fault with you. It's not as easy for me to find fault with me, (laughs) right? It's not as I mean, look, I could make some good excuses for my faults, but I can't think of any good excuses for John's, all right? I just, John, I can't. I mean, I, I can think, am I right? Can you think of a lot of good excuses for your own faults, but you will not extend that same grace to somebody else? You'll be ready to tear him down when you see a fault. You smell it. You sniff it out. Right? Like a bloodhound. How about you reverse that? How about you have grace for your brother and you are like a bloodhound on your own sins. And you search out. You say, you know what? I need to get right with God. I need to pull up those weeds in my heart. I need to fix the things that are in my heart that are not right. And I need to stop looking at other people and look at myself. I'll tell you one thing. You'll shut your mouth when you keep looking at, when you keep looking at yourself when it comes to that. And then you look to Jesus with that. You say, Lord, I'm, I'm a, an unprofitable servant. You won't be so critical of everybody else. Why don't you switch that around and become more critical of yourself? Then you know what you'll do? You'll hold your tongue. You'll be like, I ain't saying nothing. But I will pray for him because I got enough wrong with me amen, that I don't need to beat them to death over that, right? And we're not talking about, you know, growing in grace and perfecting. God wants us to do all that. I'm not talking, but, but what I am saying is the criticalness of it. We, we would be less critical and more loving if we, you know, if we were that way when it comes to that. We see this field that this man owns is all grown over, Full of thorns and thistles, the sign of the curse. He's not taken care of his field and made it profitable. So now all can see is lazy. What your field produces, people will see. You think that your heart, you think that your heart can cultivate evil. If you think your heart can cultivate laziness, if you can be lazy and you can let weeds and you can let sins grow in your heart and that fruit won't come out, the fruit of that won't come out in your field and people won't see it, you're deceiving yourself you and i cannot sow seeds of wickedness and expect to to grow plants of righteousness it will not happen if we are sowing seeds of wickedness in our heart if we are allowing sin in our heart if we are allowing neglect in our heart if we are not working on things in our own life and our own family and our it's going to come out like you can't hide that you can't and by the way why would you want to Why would you want to live a life of hiding sin or hiding neglect and hiding things that are not right? God's people don't do that. What they do is they repent and they get it right. Amen. That's what we do. When we're wrong and we fail, we get it right. That's how it works. That's the Christian life. When we are children, it's important that our parents teach us also good habits of caring for things. At a young age, right? Even in our own personal things that we have, so we build character. We build in them young to to to, that that money and different things that we have and things that our parents have provided for us that we don't trash them. We teach them character, right? We teach them to do that young, but also spiritually, right? We teach them good spiritual character now so they don't bring us shame when they're older. Now, ultimately, their choice is theirs. They're going to make it or not. They're going to, by the grace of God, do what's right, or they're not going to. But they'll know at least where we stand and that when they were with us, we did what we were supposed to do. Amen. You know, this this is very important. Jeremiah chapter 4, turn there, please. This is what God wants you and I to do. uh, Verse number three, Jeremiah chapter four, verse number three. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, break up your fallow ground and sow not among thorns. Break up that fallow ground of your heart and sow not your seed among thorns. You break that ground up and it breaks those thorns and that thistle and that ground up, right? You break it up. And then you sow the seeds of good seeds. There are things that you and I constantly have to break out of our hearts and break up that fallow ground in our heart and get the thorns and the thistles and put them down. There are things right now that you and I struggle with and need to get rid of. There are thorns in our hearts and thorns that that, that are growing that need to be gone. And they are by the power of the Holy Spirit. They are by repentance and, and turning to Christ and being honest with ourselves when it comes to things. God wants you to be honest. He doesn't want you to be a liar. And least of all, or most of all, don't lie to yourself. If you lie to yourself, man, you won't tell anybody the truth. If you start start there, we start in the mirror. If we can't be honest with ourselves, we ain't gonna be honest with anybody else either. That's just the way it works. Because if you can convince yourself of a lie, man, ain't nobody else talking you out of it. Right? They won't. That's why you and I have to be diligent and be honest. Uh, Hosea chapter 10, verse number 12. Might take you longer to find it before I read it, so I'll just read it to you. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you ye have plowed wickedness ye have reaped iniquity ye have eaten the fruit of lies because thou didst trust in thy way in thy way in the multitude of thy mighty men see trouble came why because they didn't trust in the Lord they trust in other things God told them to break it up sow to yourselves in righteousness reap in mercy break up your fallow ground Listen, for the sluggard in this field, time does not tarry, Satan is not lazy, and all the power of darkness are busy. Satan is not lazy. He works when we have to sleep, right? Time doesn't stop for us. It will continue on until we go home, amen? Amen. So we cannot be sluggish. We do not have time to be. We do not have time to be spiritually lazy. We do not have time to be sleeping. We do not. There's too much work to do. This church is a field, right? There's too much work to do. Procrastination. It's one of the most damning things to your life. Whether it be, you know, physically, work, or whatever, the case, or spiritually. Procrastination. Well, I'll get right tomorrow. A thousand tomorrows will come and go, and you still will not be right. When someone makes it well, tomorrow I'll get right. Tomorrow I'll do this. Tomorrow I'll do that. Tomorrow I'll do this spiritually. Tomorrow I'll do that. No. You have not, you don't know if you have tomorrow. We'll get into that too, but procrastination. You, don't, you need not strive to run yourself or to ruin yourself. Do nothing and you'll be damned. You'll ruin yourself. If you're lost here, you'll be damned. You don't have to do anything to be damned. You're already damned if you're lost. But by grace, you can be saved. God is merciful. His hand is stretched out still. His arm is stretched out still. Amen. While there's breath in your lungs, you can be saved. I believe that, don't you? Right, yeah. I preach that to everybody. I preach that, I'll preach that to the man dying. Even though I'm not much for dead, deathbed confessions, I'd still preach it to him. Yeah. Why? Because there's breath in his lungs. Amen. Wouldn't you? Right. I would. I'd go preach to him. I'd preach the same thing to him now that, that I'm preaching to you now. I'd preach it to him then. Why? Because that's what we believe. We believe God can save anyone. Right. Amen hope you believe that. One man had this quote, Brother, thou hast momentous work to do. Thou hast to cultivate the wilderness of thy nature. Thou hast to repair the moral fences of thy soul. In other words, thou hast to rebuild the moral temple of thy being. Thou hast no time to lose. Thou hast slept already too long. Resolve and do it at once. You spent your whole life before you were saved, not working for God and not not growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. After you're saved you have a short time to do what's right. You have a short time to grow in grace. Make the most of it. Don't waste it and squander your life searching for things that will bring no real joy. When cultivating your soul and growing in grace and loving one another that will cultivate your soul your walk with God. A neglected garden is an eyesore, but a neglected soul is a great spectacle of horror. There's nothing worse than a neglected soul that chooses to go their own way. Nothing worse than that. Note there are lessons to be learned and meditated on even from the slothful man in his field. We learn like Solomon did from the slothful man, not pride like we're better. We learn from their sin not to mimic them. That we can at their, at their expense learn and not our own. Wisdom learns from mistakes and it learns from others' mistakes so we don't repeat the same thing. That's what God intended for you to do and I to do. The slothful the slothful are under tribute. Proverbs 12:24 turn there please. The hand of the diligent shall bear rule, but the slothful shall be under tribute. Diligent men lead. They lead a wife, a home, a work, a business, a church. Whatever the case may be, God raises up leaders. God raises up those. Pharaoh wanted men of activity over his cattle. He didn't hire lazy men, did he? Solomon. In the administration of his kingdom hired diligent men in first Kings, chapter eleven, twenty eight. Joseph's road to bear rule was a road of hard work. He wasn't a sluggard. Genesis twenty two, twenty nine, turn there. He wasn't a sluggard, he wasn't lazy. Wherever he was at, he was faithful. Got the wrong verse here. Let's see. Maybe it's nine. Nope. Copied down the wrong one. Sorry. The faithful stewards in the Bible made, was made ruler over his Lord's house in Matthew chapter 24. He was made ruler, right? The faithful one. Not the one that was lazy that hid his talent in the right, but the one that was faithful. What did God do? God blessed him. He blessed him and he... And he he was diligent in his work and God took care of him his Lord took care of him diligence is not a separate component from religion it's part of it we are diligent we are hard workers in whatever we do right whatsoever thy hand find to do do it with all thy might if it's worth doing it's worth doing right isn't it second like we go preach we go out we preach our guts out our voices out we ain't got nothing left we why because if it's worth doing it's worth doing right amen we don't we don't go out to fail we don't go out to but we go out to accomplish what god has called us to do right and to give out everything we got that's what we do most of the time right And we're dragging when we're done why because that's what god wants us to do Look at Romans chapter 12. Paul gives us a warning here. This is both spiritually and in, your, in, 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 our, in our other work that we do and your work that you do in your life too. Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Not slothful in business. fervent in spirit serving the lord we're not slothful people don't know us when they look at us as workers out there they don't look at us as well they're slothful no they look at us as hard workers right they look at us say that they work hard not for the wrong motivation we do it because it's right We're not doing it to kiss up or we're not. We're just doing it because it's right to do right to obey the Lord. So we're not slothful and whatever it is that we have to do. We do it right. That's a Christian trait. It goes beyond what the world does. We don't operate like they do. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't. We're not dishonest. We're not slothful in our business. We're not sluggards. We do a good job. Why? Because it's spiritual. Paul's saying this. It's spiritual. It's part of your... Look what he says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So he's talking about your spiritual walk. He's saying that shows in your work ethic. It shows in your life. Right? It shows that I'm, I'm good at what... I'm honest and I do a good job at what I'm supposed to do. That do not mean you've got to kill yourself. Right? Out there to let people abuse you to death till there's nothing left of you. That's That's not that's not right either. That's not you don't let people like burn you out till there's nothing left of you. So you come home to your family and you're just a wreck. Right? Right? That's not what God wants you to do either. But you're not to be slothful. It means you have good character. There's a balance there, right? I'm not the world's whore. Right? Right? I don't let them just just whore me out and, and use me and abuse me and throw me away. That's not what God's saying to do. He's saying, when your hand fine do, do it with all your might. You work hard, you do what you're required to do, and then you're done, right? Unless they require you to do something that God tells you not to do, then you amen. don't do it, right? Because right. God is ahead of all, amen. And, and His way is right, amen? But, but we're, we're not slothful. There shouldn't be anybody that, that it's said about them that sticks, we might all get accused of everything. I mean, I have a long rap sheet of things I've been accused of in my life. And all of it happened after I got saved, <laughs> after I got out of the ministry. They I mean, accused me of anything before that. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I got a whole book somewhere. Just, well, pick a video there, everywhere, um, about who I am and everything. I found out some things about myself. I didn't know. But, uh, I didn't know that, man. And where's that money again? <laughs> like, like, wait, where's that at again? Where's all this stuff at? <laughs> Oh, anyway, but but it's not being accused of it, but does it stick? Is it accurate? Like, right, am I a poor worker? If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, I have a bad testimony with that, that I don't work hard and I'm, right? We'll put it this way. Paul, if Paul doesn't work hard, somebody could die, right? If he's slothful up there, somebody can die, right? I mean, it's that simple, isn't it? right? Somebody can die. Garrick, if you don't put a tire on, right? Somebody drives down the road, they can die. Tire can fly off. Something bad can happen, right? Well, I should have checked that. I didn't check that, right? You don't want to be that guy that says, man, I should have checked that after that guy's frying up there, <laughs> right? Right? Because you got to live with that for the rest of your life. You see what I mean? So it's, it, it, we're not to be slothful. I mean, somebody can die Right? You're putting brakes on for somebody. You're doing work, right, Dave, or something like that. Somebody can die if you're not paying attention. Like a doctor, if they didn't pay attention to what... Somebody can die. Well, you can't be slothful. So for our own souls and, and the work that we do, we have to be consistent and clear. When we go out and preach the gospel, we have to preach it straight and clear to them. Why? We don't want them to die. We don't want them to go to hell. We can't be slothful. We can't be sluggards. We can't be lazy and not give them everything of the truth that they need. I'm not we're not gonna be like those guys out there that are telling them a half story. God is love, he certainly is. Praise God he is. Right. He certainly is love, but tell them the rest of the story, you sloth. Yeah. Right? Tell them the rest of the story. You're not love. You're hate. And in order to be love, you gotta you gotta have Jesus. And then he'll show you how to love. Amen. See what I mean? You you can't be slothful. You can't be lazy. A lot of lazy pastors out there won't tell people the truth. They're slothful in their duty. They won't tell them. They won't show them what's right. They won't tell them. They're afraid to make things harder for themselves. Difficult. They're afraid, period. I get it. People are mean, man i'm not kidding you people they're mean i get it why some pastors are afraid (laughs) people can be mean they just be downright mean right they just can be right we've we've seen them before you see people just are mean but you know what that doesn't change anything you don't work for them you work for god you have a message to deliver you deliver it right like that one man that had that message for that big fat king remember that I have a message for thee, O King. Stuck him, and I've got stuck in the fat, right? At least you weren't sent on that message, <laughs> right? But not slothful. The slothful is a slave to his own lusts, under the most degradating, degradating tyranny. You know, your most slothful men—they're a slave to their whims and their passions and their lusts. They're not motivated enough to do anything they're, unless they, their passions are into it or unless something happens, so then they won't do it. They're a slave to that. They're lazy. They won't do what they're supposed to do. The spiritual sloth weakens men and exposes them to the power of the spiritual enemies. We have to be strong and resolute. If we would stand in the evil, evil day and escape the tyranny of the spiritual rulers of the darkness of this world, we have to be diligent. We can't be lazy. I'm telling you, we can't, we get, this world's getting worse. It is waxing worse and worse. You know, we, we talk about truth being fallen in the streets, right? That's what's there. We'll finish up with this thought. You and I, we live by rule. Let all things be done decently and in order. We live by rule. We don't live by our whims. Our lives aren't to be led by our passions, whether they're anger or lust or, or, or joy or happiness or, or whatever. We're not led by those things. We're led by the rule of the Scriptures. This is our rule of faith and practice, right? This is how we practice. This is our life. We live by rule, not by whim, not by passion, and not by emotion. Men that cannot regulate their own time must have work that is regulated for them. That's not a slight on them, by the way. It's not. It's not being mean or unkind. Some people, if you have them run their own business and and self-regulate, they're not good at that. They they're just not they're they're they can't be productive they slip into laziness um they slip into not working hard very very quickly right and what is it is it not that they're not good at what they do no they're not good at their at managing their time they're sluggards when it comes to their time so they have to have somebody they have to have a more regulated schedule of things right in order for them to be productive they're not productive unless they have that that's that's okay if you're that person as a lady listen to me if you're that person in the home as a lady then you need to talk to your husband and your husband needs to regulate your time better help you to manage your time better Because your personality is that if you have, if you don't have a a more stricter schedule, you can't, you, you don't get anything done, right? Listen to me, I'm trying to help you, I really am. You say, you might be prying, I might be, but I don't have a pry bar so I won't get too far, but I'll get far enough to help you. Because if your home is not managed right and your children are not being cared for and things aren't being done and your house not organized and all those things, then you and your husband have to get together and say, okay, time to regulate things and be more rigid on a schedule in order to be productive. Some women don't have to do that, man. They, they just have it down. Right? They just do. They're just naturally like that. Some women are, but some aren't. If you're that woman, humble yourself and ask for help. Amen. And by that, I mean permanent help in direction and doing it right. Not somebody bailing you out because you messed everything up. I'm going to say it again to you. Permanent help. Not help of just bailing you out because you messed everything up because otherwise somebody has to fly in with a Superman cape and keep helping you every time. That's not helping you. Right? That's not helping you. It's hurting you. You're not being helped. But teaching you to do it yourself and being regulated and learning and more rigid and growing, if that's necessary, that's okay. And then you'll thrive from that. You will. Children do. There are some children that have to have a stringent schedule because if they don't, man, do they lose it. They just, they they can't function right, right? They have to have a little more rigidity with them. They have to be a little more regulated. They have to, they have to, they have to have that. You need, you look at your children, you learn to manage them that way. Some are different than others. Some can handle more looser things and they can be you know, self motivated and productive and do those things. Some can't. They're like, you know what? I, I, I got to know what I'm doing. It's like going on a trip with Luke, man. He had to know everything. Luke had a stinking play by play book for me, man. He's like, he is asking me, as Luke, I don't even know what I'm doing. Do you get that? The look of horror on Luke's face when I said that to him. <laughs> Luke, I don't even know what I'm doing, man. What? <laughs> you don't? I mean, I'm going to Missouri. Other than that, I don't know. Fear, the sheer fear on Luke's face when he figured out that I had no idea, I had nothing. What do you mean? My dad eats Pop-Tarts at 5:15. I was like, I'm sorry, Luke. I don't. He doesn't really. But I'm. I'm sorry, Luke. I don't. He looks in fear over at Ryan. What about you, Ryan? Ryan's like, I'm on vacation. I don't know. <laughs> Not doing anything. I don't care. I don't care where I'm at. I'm just going. So Andrew thought it'd be a great idea to have Luke come with me, you know, to loosen him up a little bit. It worked. No, that's not why he did it. But we wanted to do it because we wanted to have fun with him. But And I did have fun with him. I, I don't know if he had any fun, but I had a lot of fun. Like years later, I'm still having fun with it. It was a good time. Amen. But anyway. but. Some people, though, they they thrive on, you know, more of that. So we have to, we want to be productive with our field, right? We want to be productive with what God's given us. By the way, there's other ladies here. Will you learn from them? Learn from each other. Encourage each other. There's other men here. Learn from them. Ask them questions. Like they didn't just like you see the success that some of them have and the blessings and, and the way things operate and they don't have all that mass confusion and anger and you know just like their home's not like a war zone. If you want to know why, well ask them why. Learn, humble yourself, learn, ask. Amen. I mean that for your own good. I've I've done it over the years. I haven't I, Lee, I've done it. I've asked questions. I haven't an I, Andrew, I've asked questions. I, I, I've, I've learned things from men I didn't know. I don't know. How do you do this? Man, I don't know. What in the world? I wasn't too proud. Well, I'm a pastor. Yeah, I know. I don't want to mess it all up either. <laughs> right? I don't want to destroy everybody around me because I'm, I'm the pastor. Pat myself on the back. You might be. You might mess it all up too. You won't be one. Right? There's consequences not listening to instructions there's consequences in not using wisdom and being wise. And by the way, you won't run the clock out. If you think you can continue on and do things that are foolish and not take care of the things that God has for you, you think you're going to run the clock out. You're not. That demise will come. Right? That, that, that demise will come. And we'll cover that next week. We'll stop right now here. But uh, anyway... Let me let me just make these three comments here. I, I, I wasn't going to stop, but I got these. and I got to put a period on this a little bit, okay? Because I'll pick it up. Uh, somebody's sighing hard. Oh, man, is he almost done? <laughs> I don't know if you're hungry or convicted. I don't know which it is, but <laughs> I, we're probably a little bit of both. <laughs> right? if you would avoid sloth, beware of every temptation to it and allow no thoughts of delay of necessary business. It's whether that's your soul, right? Or it's that thing you're procrastinating and putting off that you need to get done. The temptation is there. Look, no one, if you're a man, especially, no one has to teach you how to procrastinate. I mean, it's like we Right, Garrick, we can look at that tree for like months and be like, "Man, I don't want to take that down. I, I got to do it, but I don't want to take that thing down. I don't really want to do that. I know I got to do it, right?" I still got a brush in my yard. Yeah, exactly. We're looking at, we're like, "Man, I know I got to do that." This ain't confession, Garrick. It's okay. <laughs> I got some brush in my <laughs> but right, you're thinking about. You, beware of temptations. To allow no thoughts of delay. And I mean that spiritually, more so than anything. I I mean it for the other things to have good character, but I also mean it spiritually. Don't don't put off things. Don't put your walk with God off. Don't think you can put that off. Putting off things till tomorrow is a thief of time, it's a thief. We're going to talk about that next week a little more, but turn to Proverbs 27. But it is a thief, and we'll talk about that thief next week. I'm glad I always have too much and, and not enough. That would be. <laughs> yeah, I could have. I don't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Proverbs 27, verse 1. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. That's both spiritually and, you know, we, you, we've all done it, haven't we? I'll do it tomorrow when I knew I could do it today. Right? I've done it. But think about your spiritual walk. Well, I'll, I'll do it tomorrow. If you're lost here and you've never been saved, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never repented of your sins, put your faith and trust in Christ alone. Don't you think you have tomorrow? God never promised you tomorrow. You've got breath in your lungs now. You better look to Christ now. Look and live, brother. Look and live. Don't wait. Jesus is merciful. Amen? He's mighty to save. He'll forgive your sins. But don't put off. Don't put off that. But don't put off other spiritual needs that you have And things that you need to get done Don't put that off I'll read, I'll do this, I'll do that Tomorrow, I'll be faithful in that tomorrow I'll, I'll do this No, you won't A thousand tomorrows will come and you won't If you don't do it today You won't do it tomorrow, do it today Get right with God today If there's things in your heart that are not right There's weeds in your heart, you pull them today Don't wait till tomorrow Well, I'll get it right then No, you better get it right now Don't wait. You don't want to die wrong with God. I mean, I'm not saying you'll go to hell. You won't if you're a child of God. You don't want to die wrong, do you? There's still the judgment day. That's right, brother. And then we're gonna we're gonna have enough shame, right? We don't want more. We don't want knowing, right? Knowing that we're wrong, and dying like that. I've told people that you don't want to die that way, do you? I told them that. I told people that are outside of a local New Testament church and they're all alone by themselves. You don't want to die alone like that, do you? Why would you do that? I'd be getting to a church and serving God. I don't want to die like that. I don't want to die alone by myself. I'd I'd travel all over the world if I had to do whatever I got to do. I ain't going to die like that. I ain't going to die alone by myself like that. Not when God's provided His church. Amen. So we don't want... We don't want to do that. It's a dangerous thing to let things go and not maintain them. Our souls being the most pressing and the most precious. Dangerous. The stone wall broken down so the enemy could attack at any time. We've got to build those up. Don't let them break down. You put those walls of protection up that God has given you, those hedges of protection that God has given you from the serpent to get in. Right? You, you use those. Always connect the privilege of being a Christian with the practice of it. Don't, don't separate those two. Privilege and the practice, they go hand in hand. We have the privilege of being the sons of God, amen? By faith in Christ, there's a practice that goes along with that. Don't ever separate those two or think that you can because you can't. Amen. And pray not only, but also strive. Don't just pray, but strive. Work at it, right? At your spiritual life. Don't just don't just um, pray about. Say, well, I'm going to pray about these failures that I have. Okay, pray, but strive. Strive against them. Don't just make excuses. You, by the way, your your prayers become hypocrisy to God when you know to do good and you do it not. Like you're just being hypocritical. You're, you're, you're flattering God with your prayers. But I have no intention of striving against my sin or striving against these areas of my life that I need to work on in my heart. No, pray and strive. Do both. That's diligence. That's not being a sluggard. So God will make your field fruitful. But you have to prune it. You have to go out and clean the weeds. You have to go out and do those things. You don't say, well, it's just going to grow up naturally like that. My spiritual life's going to grow on its own. No. You have to work at it. Otherwise, weeds come up on their own. Thorns come up on their own. And we got plenty of those, don't we? Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you for good practical teaching from the Word of God. God, please forgive us for our failures. You're so merciful to us, and you love us so much. Lord we thank you for your love thank you for your mercy God help us not to abuse it but help us to pray and to strive to do right thank you Lord for loving us thank you for your grace thank you for your word thank you for your strength Lord be with your people if there be one or two not saved here may they fall in repentance and faith fall down before you in repentance and faith believing the gospel to the saving of their soul that their ground will be good ground be used for the flourishing of the gospel Lord, thank you for making us fruitful. Help us, Father, we pray. Bless the food and the time and the fellowship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.